0: Hi friends, I'm Blue Mitchell, photographer, publisher, and now podcaster. You're listening to The Diffusion Tapes, a podcast where I chat with photographers, curators, and writers working in the field of fine art photography. More specifically, these tapes are conversations with people I've befriended on my journey as an artist and publisher. So now I get to learn a little more about these folks that I admire and respect, and I'm inviting you into our conversation. Welcome to The Diffusion Tapes. Thanks for tuning in to our third diffusion tape. one of the goals I have with this podcast is to record these conversations face to face. So luckily I live in the Pacific Northwest where it's littered with amazing folks for me to chat with. In this third tape, I visited with Portland photographer Heidi Kirkpatrick at her house and home studio. We talked a little about her history, her evolution from 2D photography to 3D photo objects, her camaraderie with fellow photographers, Themes of femininity and family history, and ultimately how teaching has been one of the most rewarding parts of Heidi's career. Let's get to it.
1: Thanks for coming to visit so yeah. we can have a talk.
0: Yeah, thanks for inviting me in. Or inviting us in, I should say. Right? Us? Yes. <laughs> so we're in Portland, Oregon. This is Heidi Kirkpatrick. I met Heidi, I think, at a Photo Lucida event. And I think it was 2010 or 2011. Mm -hmm. That's right. I was very happy to meet, well, actually, not just to see her work and meet her, but also find out she lived in Portland. So I knew there was like a double bonus there.
1: That was Um, actually a joyous day for me. It really was. You were a top pick of my reviewers and ended up being the very first review, which was great and set the tone for the whole... Festival, which was pretty amazing. I remember coming home the first night and crying because it was so wonderful.
0: After the first day, after yeah, the first day, that's great. It's good yeah, it was start. a big
1: day. It was just it was meeting you, and it, like I said, it really set the tone for the whole festival. I had great reviews. It was a portfolio walk that night. I met. One of my really dear friends, I met Lori Verba that night at the Portfolio nice. Walk. She and Anne George came up to my table. Yeah, and um, I remember just coming home and being overwhelmed with gratitude. It was like finally somebody gets it.
0: <laughs> you know? did, did Lori gush on about your work?
1: She they did. Were she very, know your work
0: before that? I don't think so. Okay. I think
1: she, I don't think she did know my work before that. And and it was the same for my end for her for mm-hmm. both her and Anne. They were very kind
0: that's great well you and Lori have that first review thing in common yeah so when i talked to her she was talking about how i was her first review at photo nola
1: oh and that's right
0: and that happened to be my very first review too so
1: that was a big deal for her too that was i know that that um that review for Lori was very successful and that's when she had that cool pop-up Mm-hmm. Show that I so wish that I <laughs> could have seen, but I'm really grateful that there was video of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's a great show. So let's let's start earlier. We just jumped right into okay. to more current. But um, where did you grow up at?
1: So I'm originally from Ohio, okay. born and raised.
0: We're out in Ohio, uh,
1: Springfield, Ohio. Springfield. Okay. Yep, and both my parents are from Ohio. Their parents are from Ohio, mm. and. My dad passed away five years, and I've been digging a little bit farther, and and uh, it, it goes pretty far back. My roots in Ohio, hmm. but I haven't lived there for a very long time. I've lived away now longer than I ever lived there. I pretty much left Ohio when I was eighteen.
0: Okay.
1: And uh Did you just
0: want to get out, like
1: I? Yep, I just needed to see something else. I just I knew there was more more to the world, and it's mm-hmm. a wonderful place to be from. I had a great childhood, and. You know, how was Springfield good. small? It's pretty small, 60,000 people. It was much bigger like in the 40s and, and before. It's dwindling hmm. now. I think the biggest employer now is the hospital. So
0: What was it before?
1: Steel. Steel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, yeah, the National Road came through there. My grandfather was a uh, steeplechaser. He was in steel. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: We have family in steel too, but they are up in Minnesota. Mm
1: hmm. So. So the Midwest is a great place to be from, and I still go visit. I have great friends that live there, but I do believe that Doug and I have found our place here. Sure. Yeah, where we've uh, people ask us what we're going to do when we retire. As far as where are you moving, and I'm like, oh no, we're already there, <laughs> and we really feel like we're already in our house too. We're right, in our right. when we bought this house. We are hoping that we can grow old in it, and it seems to be working so far.
0: So where where's Doug from?
1: Doug's from Western New York.
0: Oh okay. That makes sense.
1: But we met in Texas, and that's where we moved here from in 1993.
0: Right. So did you go from Ohio, from Springfield to to Texas?
1: I did go from... Well, I went from Springfield to Columbus. Okay. And I went to Texas with another man, and then I left with another man, which happens to be the one that I still have. (laughs) So I met Doug uh, in Dallas, and his job brought us here.
0: Hmm. Right. Had you been here prior? No.
1: Nice. No, just came up for came up for a weekend and went to the coast. And I mean, it's very beautiful, especially coming from Texas. I mean, you know, the Midwest is is flat, and we traveled around, but it's just it's very beautiful here, as you know.
0: Right.
1: And there's a lot to do close. You can drive 45 minutes, and it seems like you're in another world. Yeah,
0: any direction. In right. any <laughs> direction, exactly. If you want to yeah. go to the mountains or yeah. the
1: the coast, I always choose the water. Yeah, I like to go to the coast.
0: Yeah, that's a good choice. What were you doing in Texas while you were there? I was a bartender. So this is right out of high school. So of college age, you were bartending. Yes. You're getting a whole different kind started, of education. Yeah, I started definitely, <laughs> definitely a
1: whole school of hard knocks is what I graduated from. Right. And I started food service really early, actually, when I was a teenager, and I worked with catering. And then from there worked in restaurants and then when i was old enough to tend bar then i did that and that's really where the money is
0: Mm yeah (laughs) Yeah. what drew you to to do besides the money
1: you know flexible hours you don't have to have education right you don't have to work as much oh right and i was good at it i love people i love to talk so it was a it was a really good fit for me but it's not sustainable Mm-hmm. Especially the bartending, and if you're working at night, you tend to hang out with like-minded people. So people you're working with, and it's just not as a very healthy right. environment. And then actually, when Doug and I got married, I switched to days, mm-hmm. which is a little bit better, but still, it's it's hard on the body. It's yeah. you know, it's a it's a very physically challenging job. So I knew that when I'm my age now, which is 59. That I was like, I won't be doing this when I'm sixty. It's right. just too hard. <laughs> right. Yeah, I said that about teaching too. It's demanding. Actually, yeah. Well, you're still teaching. Uh, well, I'm just I'm back <laughs> temporarily. I am subbing right now. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, we'll get into that in a bit. Okay. But how did you meet Doug then in Texas?
1: So my brother followed me to Texas. I lived further out in East Texas, moved in with my brother in Dallas, and was bartending. But my brother's always been a weightlifter, and Mm. I went to the gym with he and his wife, and that is where I met my husband.
0: Oh, at the gym. At the gym. That makes sense, knowing Doug.
1: At the gym, That He's still doing it. Yeah. He always will. Well, he's my
0: hero in that (laughs) way.
1: He's kind of my hero, too. Yeah. Oh,
0: man. He's always fit. Yeah, he looks looks great. So how old's Doug now?
1: He'll be 66 in two weeks.
0: Sixty six. Mm-hmm. I hope so I look that good at sixty six. I need to go to the gym though. That's the only <laughs> way to make it happen. Oh my god. It does
1: require effort. <laughs> yeah. He and his dad's getting ready to turn ninety six. Wow. Yeah.
0: Where's his dad at?
1: They're in. They're still in the hometown where he was born and raised. They live in Allegheny, New York. Okay. Mm-hmm. They built their house in 1958, and they're still living in it.
0: And your parents are still in Ohio. My mom. Your mom. Yeah. Oh, that's where Dad d- passed.
1: Yeah, he passed five years ago. So, yeah, my mom, I'm going to go see her shortly as soon as my teaching stint is over. Right. Yeah.
0: You for winter or?
1: I don't go for the weather. Oh, right. Ohio doesn't really have great weather any time of the year. <laughs> when you're a kid, you don't. You know, it's it's great weather. Right. But as an adult, it's kind of humid summers and cold, snowy winters, neither which are my favorite. Now, especially after living here for 25 years. Right. I like the more temperate Yeah, they climate. have
0: more seasons for sure. hmm Like, More harsh, yes. That's how Montana was too, Mm -hmm. which I liked growing up. But I don't need to be there.
1: It's different when you're a kid. Yeah, you don't think about that kind of thing. You just go out and run and play and cold, all the time, right? (laughs) (laughs) Or freeze, (laughs) wet, and
0: you know, yeah, going out in the snow. It's so fun for the first ten minutes, and then you're like soaking wet. Yeah, not not a big
1: snow person. (laughs) I don't ski. I'm not very sporty at all, actually. (laughs) <laughs> are you
0: so that's not why you came to portland most people say they came to portland for the culture or the outdoor activities
1: now i followed i came with doug but we do let lo- you know i'd love to go out get out in nature it's so beautiful right, here yeah.
0: oh yeah it's great let's go back then um your photography as far as what you're doing now has such physicality to it i'm curious instead of asking you when did you start photography when did you start seeing this kind of artistic side of you coming out
1: Mm. well i started making object work in about 2001 okay and it's funny my my brother and his wife were here visiting and and i've always been uh, rather prolific i'm fortunate and i have a lot of time that i can spend on my art and my sister-in-law said to me she said so what do you do with all your work and i said well i print it and i throw it in the box and i was like (laughs) Well that sounds so dumb. You know? <laughs> so I just decided that I really wanted to present work in a different way hmm. in a in a more unique way and I didn't want to make the same piece over and over again. So I started where I always start, which is with family imagery. I've copied a lot of pictures from Doug's side of the family, both my mom and my dad, and used those images and then worked with the family imagery for a couple years on blocks and books and metal plates and anything that had a flat surface that I could put a photograph on and I was introduced to film positives taking an all process classic and now class actually up at Oregon College of Arts and Crafts mm-hmm. years ago from Phil Harris. And I really fell in love with the film positive. So that worked in beautifully to the object work. I really like the transparent quality to let the object shine through. So Were I s- you
0: doing like a Codalith Positive?
1: So I'm doing the same thing, the film Positive. Oh, you still it, doing it is. the same. hmm mm-hmm. Yeah. I freaked out a few years ago because the material, which happens often in photography now, um, products disappear. Right. And I had called to make an order, and he said, you know, we're discontinuing this. And I was like no <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Sorry, no, you, no can't you can't do that no you can't do that that's not gonna work for me and bought a lot of material and now since they have brought another similar product mm, back okay. but so 2001 so i've been doing that for a long time now but it took a long time for people to get it
0: right well also when you're working with like your family imagery it's sort of just such a personal way of working right it so is, then it's definitely. hard to know like what appeals to other people. And then you have these objects, too, that you have to make these decisions on how, what kind of objects you're going to use. And, and how those objects are loaded with information, history, or maybe they were functional at some point or right. something else, giving them a new life.
1: Absolutely, right? and, that, and, I, and I love that aspect of it, the kind of recycling aspect that they've... Most of the pieces that I work on, not all but a lot, have been discarded. I've come from a long line of pickers and uh, junkers and antique people, so I really hmm. like the thrill of the chase finding the pieces and sometimes i buy something and i know exactly what i want to do with it sometimes i'm like i there's an idea here i don't know what it is yet and a lot of times it does formulate and sometimes it doesn't so sometimes the object will just need to go away and make room for other things but i have a drawers filled with blocks and boxes and all kinds of pieces downstairs in my studio
0: right yeah so did you mention that you came from a long line which did your mom do like antiquing and stuff she actually or? still
1: does so she my does, mom yeah. is 88 and she still sets up with the flea market in urbana ohio really? the first weekend of every month yep so she still shops she goes out with her boyfriend and they they haunt the goodwills and salvation <sighs> army and
0: what is she drawn she- to
1: she buys different things than I do, but she's <laughs> but sh- she's in it for the money. Oh,
0: <laughs>
1: she you know she she's so she's, she's collecting buying stuff to sell. and selling it. right? Yes, yeah. she's buying to sell. But you're Hopefully still I'm, in a way. Yes, yeah. yeah. My older sister, she's bought and sold for years as well too. Hmm. She did estate sales for a long time, and she's in Florida.
0: So she knows. Well, both of them know the value of things then. I'm the kind of person who goes into like a junk shop and sees stuff that I like, but I don't know if it's worth anything. But well, what you it know, matters if if it, you're it, thinking about selling, then you know, right? You kind of navigate. You know what's you know worth something, so right? You can and sell it needs it
1: to be and, worth something to you,
0: right? Right? You know, maybe it strikes a memory of something, right? Yeah, usually it's nostalgic.
1: And I buy a lot of other things. You Can look around. I have a lot of <laughs> I have a lot of things in my house.
0: Yeah, it's loaded with information. <laughs> <It> is. <laughs> this is a metaphor, Heidi. <laughs>
1: Maybe <laughs>
0: your studio I've mentioned before is also loaded with information. It is yeah, loaded. You could just spend hours just walking around, checking things out.
1: I love it down there. Yeah, it's a, very fortunate to have a great workspace in my home. When we were buying the house, we bought our house in 1996, uh, so we just had our 22nd anniversary living here. I kept wanting to see the basement because I knew that I was going to put my darkroom in. Mm-hmm. That I was going to have for the first time in my life my own dark room. Sure. That I could where I could leave all my stuff set up and I could walk out whenever I wanted to, and I could walk back in, and it was going to mm-hmm. be set up just how I left it. But I would go down there and stand and say, it's going to be right here. My is going to be right here. My studio has evolved over the years for sure, but I'm very fortunate. I have a big space. I have
0: a, well, you have enough space to do shooting. Yeah,
1: you know, um, I have my shop you have a area. You big
0: shop area, and then the darkroom area. Yes. It's nice to have. Well, when we were looking at houses to buy, too, one of my things was, especially in Portland, is hope they have a basement like yes. that's i'm really interested in having basement not just for storage and you know but something you know that i can use for studio space right. so. and you do yeah and both the houses that i purchased in this city have had basements and both were unfinished so then i could kind of do whatever i want right and i had a dark room set up in our first house to like a very funky one and i didn't use it very much so i ended up just taking it all down mm-hmm. and, and selling it but i did use it for a while but i was doing tin types, and it was very aromatic mm. Even though oh. I was in the basement and it had, was ventilating out, it still seeped up into the house. Yes. Yeah, and my wife is well, very sensitive to smell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and tintypes, I've actually I've only made them. I took two different tintype classes, but don't you use ether?
0: Not in the... Those are for, I think, Collodion uses oh, okay. ether. The tintype, the developer's really strong. Mm. I'm not sure what's in there, so we should fact check that. <laughs> yes. It's been too long since I've done it. I don't remember. Let's talk about the the business of photography, what do you think was really, I mean, I know you, you were shooting Holga for a while. I did. I shot
1: Holga for a long time. Yeah.
0: And you're making prints and you were getting yourself out there um, with that work pretty early on. I did.
1: Yeah, I did. I was, you know, you have to really believe in what you're doing. I think you have to have very big shoulders <laughs> And thick skin. You have to be prepared for people to tell you that they don't like what you're doing or they're not interested. hmm Because you're going to get rejected, and it's just you have to just keep pushing forward. So, I mean, I very first started showing in cafes in Portland. hmm you know, started getting a following that way with family and friends. And then, you know, Portland has such a fabulous photo community that, um, you know, it just, it grows. So I've worked really hard, but I also feel like I've been lucky.
0: Sure. I feel like sometimes we confuse luck with hard work, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Sure, there is definitely people, you have certain privileges or whatever the case may be. You know, maybe you don't have to work so much that it allows you to have more free time to do your work. Right. But but as far as the being successful, obviously, that's a very personal definition, success. Yes. But also, we, we tend to put on like a, either a dollar value or a notoriety value. Right. Right. So you were interviewed by Jake Shivery. He did was- a nice in-depth. Interview with you, and it was called "Drinking with Jake," Drinking. which I was also a guest on. Yes. And so, to our listeners, you can check out the Blue Moon Camera website, and on their blog, they have a whole series called "Drinking with Jake," and Heidi was one of the guests, and he it's, says, it's a very nice interview.
1: He says victim. He says victim. <laughs> he says victim. He also said, and also I was really happy because I know some people were giving him some grief about it because he had only interviewed men. Oh, right. yeah. I was The, the first, boys club. It yeah. was the boys club. So I broke the streak, which I'm happy about. Well,
0: you're a good person to do that work. Thanks. Because you're very feminine. She's <laughs> a woman. About, all about the The dress. work is feminine, which I want to talk about that too. Okay. Um, but one thing I liked that, um, that he said in the interview was, Putting everything out there seems to be your superpower. Which I think that's so Heidi. And I think part of that's not just putting your work out there, but also yourself. You're very open in the arena of our little photo world. You're so well-respected and everybody loves you. And I think that's because you're just honest. Thank you. Whether that's good or bad. Right. Right? <laughs> that it, can be a- the honesty is, yeah. I think, appreciated.
1: Like I said, the photo community here and even nationwide, it's, you know, going back to the first time that I met you, it's like that really opened the doors, you know, Photolucida, that review, meeting Lori, you know, it just really having this national community mm-hmm. that's pretty, that's pretty tight, even though you're not. Living right down the street from me,
0: right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like I have super close friends that I see maybe once a year. Yeah. If
1: that. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but it's
0: from the you know it's from being able to travel and having time to go to these festivals and yes, yeah, you know, having a venue where people are put together like individuals, being yes. put into a room together. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. we were just at Click.
0: Yeah, North Carolina.
1: Yep, Raleigh, yeah. Durham.
0: They have a nice festival there, Click, and I it's talk kind great. of. No end with Lori about that in, in our interview. But um, yeah, one of the things that's funny about that, about you and my relationship, is the last two years we've both been out there, you as an artist, me mm-hmm. as a reviewer, and we spend... Several days together there, and we never get that opportunity in town. So when I do see you in town, it's like for a few hours, right? Versus like you know days on end. So it's sort of like a we sort of like vacationing together.
1: It is vacationing, (laughs) (laughs) or like a retreat. It is nice because we're busy. It's like you know you have a family. Mm -hmm. I'm married, jobs, right? So yeah, it's nice to be able to hang out and have some very long, extended conversations.
0: Anyway, so I was going to go back to the point we were talking about you sort of getting yourself out there. Was there a point in the art career that you saw a shift? When I met you that year at Photo Lucida, you kind of blew up after that. That and was a turning point for yeah, sure. Yeah, so was that a big turning point for it your It was a career? huge turning point. Yeah. That's
1: why I came home and cried. <laughs> I mean, I could just feel it. it I mm. mean, literally, I came home and I was like, oh my God, somebody gets it. I mean, they like really get it. I was mm. actually already represented then. It just felt really great you know a lot of things came from that i got a gallery in boston i got a gallery in santa barbara you know and then the next year i got a gallery in miami and just friends and the camaraderie is priceless mm-hmm. that you get at those festivals they're hard but very worthwhile that was a big turning point for me mm-hmm. kind of haven't really let off the gas since
0: no you haven't yeah. Not at all i mean you've had a lot of opportunities arise from this stuff but it one of the trips we were supposed to do together was to go to China. Yes. And you did go. I ended up having to cancel but I did go. You went with, and you had Jim Lisey. Jim Lisey. Was, was with you. And then you had a bunch of other great people. Um, Absolutely. obviously very close friends yeah. now. Yeah. What I was saw that? Well,
1: the other two women, so uh, Barbara and Susan. Susan was at Click. I got to see her, which was great. And Barbara was here last summer. Oh, right. So, and that was. That's Susan K. Grant. Your, that was,
0: and what's Barbara's last name? Remind me? Of?
1: Currier? Yeah,
0: I can I never say that. I feel name like right. I'm not pronouncing it <laughs>
1: correct. Sorry, Barbara. Um, and they're both fabulous photographers and, mm. and people. And that was uh, 13. So, and some life friendships. Wait, you said 2013. Yeah, 2013. 2013. Okay. 2013 because it was it was I know for sure because of the marker that was just a few months after my dad passed.
0: Mm, That's right. Yeah.
1: I remember crying all the way to the airport as Doug was driving me there, and he's like, "This is what makes you feel alive." (laughs) Seriously. And you know, and it does, and it was kind of a hard trip, but the American photographers that I went with and Yan Lee, the curator and just the whole going without Doug. I had never done a big overseas trip Mm. without him and, with my friend Jim Li it's good that
0: you had Jim at least absolutely he's like a fill-in boyfriend
1: yep he was my he was my fake husband <laughs> didn't um, you guys get lost at some point we did get lost
0: <laughs> was it just you and Jim it was just yeah.
1: yes it was Jim and I we took the wrong train to the wrong leash way, so we oh, call right. it wrong way leashway. <laughs> And ended up, so we're supposed to be taking a bullet train to this small town of 2 million people in China that doesn't have an airport because it's Hmm. a small city. Wow. And we're pulling in, and I'm like, wow, it it is really dark here for 2 million people living here. Well, we were actually in the wrong, I think, complete province, and we were miles and miles and miles away from where we were supposed to Uh. be, and neither one of us speak. Chinese, and we ended up taking the longest, most expensive cab ride of our lives. You took a uh, cab
0: from Li Shui we, to the So we
1: actually ended up, took the train from Li Shui back to Hanzhou, I think. And then from there, we took a cab oh, to the I correct see. Li Shui and ended up arriving at like 2.30 in the morning. It was a very surreal experience. We'd been in Shanghai for a couple of days trying to get our... Sea legs on, which mm-hmm. was which was good, but yeah, yeah. yeah, the and the bullet train was very cool. It just didn't happen to go to the right place, <laughs> <laughs> so it was quite the experience, and it makes for a, a great story. And it was a so how was, long was your cab ride? I think it was almost four hours. Oh, geez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very surreal. And the the driver smoked, and it was cold, and he would roll the window down, and we were exhausted. It had been quite the day. And the driver would roll the window down, and this cold air would blast in and I remember we stopped at this kind of like a rest area truck stop. It was just bizarre. We had this beautiful young woman who rescued us she hmm. that the curator knew oh. that she was a student, and she accompanied us to Li Shui. She found you. She found she <laughs> saved us. <laughs> she did. She saved us. And then she stayed at the festival for a for a couple of days. Oh, cool. Yeah, she was she was lovely and she really did save us. But yeah, quite quite the experience.
0: <laughs> well I can't say you wouldn't have got lost if I'd have been with you. It's very likely that I'd have been more lost, actually. Well um so you're do you have any specific things right around the time that, that you started getting some more gallery shows and people following your work? I mean, would, what do you see as a, a big highlight of that time period as far as the success is concerned?
1: I think I'm becoming a little more more national instead of, you know, just where I was felt successful regionally. You know, mm-hmm. here in Portland, I was represented uh, Alicia Duckler- Earlier on, I've been with Gail Gibson for years and years, going to Boston and going for a photo salon and having people come out and they already knew who i was hmm. they knew who i was and were new about the work and were happy to see it in person and were surprised and so you know just opening up a different collector base sure you know going and staying in a nice hotel and meeting other artists so it really opens up a lot of doors just broadening the beauty of what we do right That's great. You know, it's all about the experience. I mean, for me, it's always been about the people. That's why I did food service. Mm, Right. And photography, even though I really feel that a lot of it is kind of a loner sport. Mm -hmm. You know, I spent a lot of time by myself. It's funny, when I was at Click this time, I was like, oh, yeah, wow. It makes me realize how much time I spend by myself. Right. You know, when there's so many people. And Murmuration was a huge show with 10 artists.
0: Yeah, was it weird to go from being this regional artist, to, when you go to this event, people know who you are. Was that a strange uh, feeling initially to be like, oh, how do they even know me? Like, how do they even know my work? Yeah, right.
1: it was It was strange. I was talking earlier about uh, Bear Kirkpatrick. I had a show at the Griffin. And Bear came down to meet me because he knew me. we share the same last name, but mm-hmm. we're not related that we know of, <laughs> right, maybe way back. Right, right. You know, that was so cool that he and Zoe, you know, drove down to meet me. And that's that's what it's all about. That's great. So that's, that's really the biggest distinguishable uh, aspect of it for me is the people. It's fun, you know, and people buy your work. It's like there's nothing better than, it's not the money, it's them wanting to live with, Something that you made. Yeah. I and mean, yeah. that's a really wonderful feeling.
0: Well, um, and they're acquiring a piece of you, yes. essentially. I mean, I always talked about my projects as sort of like your babies, you know, and you just send them out into yes. the world and hope they can make people happy. Right. <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe they have <laughs> issues, you know, and they need to. <laughs> maybe it's <laughs> maybe it makes them mad that they're not that good, you know? <laughs> I get mad if I'm not. <laughs> I wish I could do that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Most recently, I know you had a pretty fantastic show. Absolutely. You had a show at the Fo- Fox Talbot Museum. I did. Can you tell us about that and how I, that came I about? I would
1: love to. So uh, I was one of seven uh, female American photographers, and I was invited by Lori Verba who was invited by Roger Watson, who's a curator from Fox Talbot, and I'll never forget her calling me and telling me that Roger had contacted her and she couldn't believe it. I mean, its I said it was dream come true, but I really think that Laurie coined it better where she said it was actually a dream that I didn't even know I had.
0: Mm, Yeah. You know,
1: it's kind of like, I feel it's the holy grail to have a show at at Fox Talbot. So anyway, she called me and and asked me. I was hoping she was when she was telling me about it. (laughs) And I, of course, immediately said yes. And she said, will you come for the opening? And I said, absolutely. So a definite high point in my career. It was a beautiful show. All the artists went. We had a really good time. We stayed in a big townhouse in bath england that's not far from lake Hawk. i'd always wanted to go to lake Hawk abbey so yeah. i i got to do that yeah some of my family came my husband came and uh, lots of friends i have friends who live in europe who came my really good friend michael brought my godsons that was a highlight and uh Roger did a fantastic job as far as displaying the work. Mm. Laurie did a fantastic job of choosing the work and kind of surreal, but um, I came home very inspired, uh, which was the end of May, and I hit the ground running with uh, my cyanotype season and had a really good summer. Uh, walking in Fox Talbot and looking up and seeing my dresses floating in the gallery was a high point in my life. <laughs>
0: yeah, I can see why. Yeah,
1: so um, pretty amazing. Feel very good So did they just fortunate. have the cyanotype dresses? No, they actually showed uh, my object work and the cyanotypes. So I showed the family service piece, which is the place setting. Mm-hmm of the dishes that I made after my dad passed and also some mahjong tiles and some dominoes. It was really kind of full gamut of what I do. And then a couple of the cyan hoops, the smaller pieces and hoops, and then the dresses floating. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: So it was, uh, yeah, I I wasn't sure what they were going to what they were going to choose to to show, so I was elated that they chose kind of both of the styles of work that I right. that I make. Pretty exciting. Yeah, and it seemed
0: like uh, grateful. The other artists had a lot of different styles too, so it seemed a very like a very diverse group of women. Definitely. So, did you have a chance to see? Um, I guess not, because they were just had your show up while you were there, right? So you didn't get to see the other show of the European
1: no no and 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 actually, I think that there's a couple of shows. I thought that it was gonna be a show similar to ours, where it was gonna be a group show, but I think mm. it's shown a couple of maybe a little bit shorter exhibitions. I have to admit, I honestly don't know, but no, we didn't get to see, but right. I did get to see the museum, and yeah, yeah. got uh Roger gave us a private tour of Lake Hawk Alby of Fox Talbots home and I got to see the window, the and lattice the windows <laughs> and a camera like he used and so that was pretty amazing. Like I said I came home very inspired and I just my cyanotype season is now over. It is the the rain has set in to Portland and I just switched my darkroom over this week. I have not printed yet, but I just switched it back over from cyanotype to go back to silver.
0: It's great you have, like, seasons for your work.
1: It is nice. It's pretty interesting. I've always um, – I don't like to – I get bored. You said we we're mm-hmm. jumping around, and I was just – what was in my head, I didn't say it. It's like, well, that's what I do. <laughs> I do that in the house. I'm like, Jump oh, around. that needs to be done. and I'm going to walk over here, and then, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I forgot there's something on the porch, and I have laundry <laughs> going downstairs, and I need to do something over here on my computer. <laughs> and then I was going to – cook so i do kind of jump around so it is it is it works for me i get i get bored so Mm -hmm. i don't like to make the same thing all the time so having the cyanotype season is it's great i love the historical aspect of it i like the being Mm -hmm. outside Yeah, yeah and then you know winter fall winter spring i'm more downstairs in the in the dark room
0: right yeah yeah it makes sense when i was shooting pinhole a lot I had a season for that. I was always shooting in the summer. Right. Because um, it was just weather was nicer. Yes. And so I was out. I would just, was out more. Yes. So I would shoot pinhole a lot more. And, it, and I always thought that was funny. Like, I'm working in seasons. Like, because <laughs> yeah. then I would do the same thing. I would do my more studio work or the, the night work, you know, in the winter time.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and typically that stuff was also black and white. And then I would do more of the color stuff in the summer pinhole and, more more experience. I haven't seen
1: any of that. I'd like to.
0: I haven't done it in a while, but yeah, some older, older stuff.
1: (laughs) You have to move on. (laughs) It doesn't mean that it's bad work or not doesn't have value, but you have to keep pressing forward.
0: Speaking of since you're doing object pieces, how do you deal with like having additions? And I know you sell, do you, you sell some stuff together? like sets so how does that work for I objects I do
1: so I kind of again it's going to be all over the map on that so I really wanted to start making unique pieces which is what I did for a long time I would reuse the image but I would use it in a different way mm, and then right. 2011 Panopticon Jason Landry recommended that I work in small editions because he thought I was going to it would just I would be have a bigger audience and you know I, mm-hmm. I've already figured the, the hardest part is figuring the first piece out right. it's also the most fun mm-hmm. I will admit then making the same piece again I was like well I already kind of made this right. they're variable the because they are same. right it's not the same they are variable because they're objects and You have to cut things and there's paint and there's fire and there's all kinds of things that go into (laughs) you know the the different pieces. So the first edition piece I did was the one I very first started with the Mahjong tiles. And I bought a mahjong set. I have actually still have never played the game, but I researched (laughs) how to play the game and found out that a winning hand was fourteen tiles. And it's similar to cards like Rummy or Jim where it's pairs or straights or runs and you kind of have a trump suit they're called their honor suits and in mahjong and i made a variable edition of eight which is how many winning hands i could make out of one complete set of a mahjong set that i bought that sold out which was pretty cool took a while Mm -hmm. but it but they're all sold and then i that's when i also started making the pieces individual because I think the Mahjong sets were like a $1,100, which is, mm-hmm. and, th- and this was a while ago. That was, I'm not sure, maybe 08 when I started making them. It took right. me a couple of years. But I started making the individual tiles because I d- hope that everybody can live with real art and it needs to be accessible and it's a much smaller price point. Mm-hmm. And I have sold a lot of individual, individual tiles, tiles, placed a lot of individual tiles in people's homes, which is... The best part,
0: (laughs) right? Yeah. So, when you're selling that stuff, do you offer like a box set situation? They can be. They
1: do. So all different. So they can. You can buy as. They're available as many as you want. You Mm -hmm. can buy one. I started making them on Scrabble racks, doing little sets of five or six. Mm -hmm. But they could also be, but they were also offered individually, so you could have options. And if you wanted to create your own set, Mm if you, if maybe there was a a nude and you didn't want a nude, or there was a landscape and you didn't want that, or a wrench, there's some more kind of manly things started coming into my work after Mm -hmm. my dad passed away because my work always has been very feminine and Mm -hmm. about the dress. So hopefully something for everybody. Right.
0: right. So tell me you are known for working with the female form and female, you know, feminine issues. I mean, were you doing that from the beginning
1: of photography I you know, and I have pretty much kind of done it all along. not that I don't like to or I don't shoot landscapes. I mean, I am a woman, so you know in a lot of my work, I try to make beautiful work mm-hmm. about subjects that maybe aren't so beautiful, disease and addiction and death and mm-hmm. but also family and and history, and I've follow the lineage of, you know, I'm like I said I'm those are things that I'm interested in. I'm interested in my mom's people, my dad's people, but mm-hmm. even it's like when I started doing the genealogy, I followed the the women. Mm, I mean, sure. the men come along with them, but it's right. like I'm following that well it's
0: harder to do too when you're looking it, at it genealogy. Is, it is
1: harder to do. Yeah. Maybe that's why I like it too. Right? <laughs> I wouldn't want to do anything to do A little more research. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's not easy to go back.
1: Yeah, the dress is it's important to me. I think, you know, women are strong and always have been. I think they've been kept down. People are fighting back very intently about that right now. So I it's important to me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it, I'm. I guess what I'm asking though was it important to you before you started making art? Like, how are you? How were you? I guess dealing with that issue before your art therapy.
1: I really needed art therapy. I, <laughs> I you know, I wasn't. I really wasn't dealing with it. I don't mm. think. I think I, you know, finally, it's like, so when Doug and I moved here, I started doing photography. Doug's dad bought me a camera in 1992 and moved here and I didn't know anybody. And I started taking classes and really threw myself into it. And it was kind of a breaking point. It's like, that was my before life. Mm. And that was the beginning of my now life.
0: Right.
1: It, It is a pretty clean Break.
0: It's like a pivotal point. Though, it is a very
1: pivotal point.
0: <laughs> it's interesting because you know when we when we when we we're talking about doing art that you know you have intent and you have your personal. Um, but I'm always curious, like, okay, but what did you do before the art? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, well, you know, I um I really or were you always
0: doing it in some way.
1: You know, I not you know not really. I didn't. I th- I bartended and like I said that can bring a whole lifestyle with it. So my art was kind of substance abusing and mm. that stopped when we moved here. So I think I really kind of straightened up and found out that I felt differently when you allow your real feelings to come in if you're not stoned mm-hmm, right. um not numbing yourself. yeah not yeah. numbing myself mm-hmm. and just really you know spent two solid years kind of really kind of figuring out who i am and what i wanted to say and evidently I've, i maybe i wanted to say it for a really long time and i didn't have the uh, opportunity or the guts or the i don't know right. um, that i have now
0: Right, you found I've, your venue. I've found my voice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, my venue and my voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: I remember an interview a long time ago, and I me saying it's because it's always I was doing street photography, and it was I was photographing images of women, interested in how images of women were being used in popular culture. Mm-hmm. I remember at the very end of the interview, and I said, "I don't know exactly what it is I'm trying to say, but I'm screaming it." <laughs> Like that, so I think I kind of now know a little bit more about what I'm saying, and it all really comes from my life and my heart, things that happened to me and my people.
0: Right. Well, it doesn't seem like you have to scream it anymore either. I'm not screaming it. No <laughs> <big>. <laughs> it's
1: more subversive Somebody, now, right? <laughs> Somebody finally got it.
0: <laughs> That's great. So you know, not only are you an artist, and you make your own work. You taught for quite a long time. I did. At the Northwest Academy? At Northwest Academy. How did that come about?
1: It came about, I actually had two friends who had taught there previous to me. I got a call one day, and I had another, there was a woman that I taught to print black and white photography. I did teach adults. My friend Michael had Safe Light Gallery and Dark Room that was a predecessor to New Space. And that was the beginning of my Teaching at top beginning was... photo. Two thousand? No, wait, before that. Ninety late nineties. Hmm. And I taught there for several years. And then she so they were, for, she, a while. They were for, mm-hmm. for, for for a few years. And then she wanted to have a family and you were talking about the smells of the you know, from the chemistry mm-hmm. and she was worried because she wanted to have a family and she got mm-hmm. pregnant. So ended up, cl- you know, closing the dark room down. So one of my students from there was an English teacher at North Northwest Academy mm. and their photo teacher was going, who also taught film and video was going to Tibet to finish a film that she'd been working on. Oh. And Michael who had safe Light, and my friend, Amy, my student who taught at North Northwest Academy they kind of got a double cross-reference, and they called me and said, hey, we have a five-month temporary photo teacher position available. Would you be interested hmm. for high school? And I thought, I-, I can do that. That sounds interesting. And uh, five months, that's, that sounds good. So I started in, in November, and it's challenging to start not from the beginning. Mm, and yeah. then – a couple weeks later, I realized that that's probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> Never been more filled with doubt. Right. But, uh, but really loved it and did a good job. And the students said, don't leave. And hmm. I didn't. So I said, well, and then, and the teacher came back and she said, if you want to keep the photo classes, I'll just do the video. So I said, okay, I'll stay until the end of the year. Well, I started in 04 and I stayed for 12 years. Hmm so it um you know, I really loved it. it was important, but it just kind of it was physically challenging for me as I got older, and something was calling me to move on i got I got to the point where I felt that I wasn't giving a hundred percent to my artwork or my teaching, mm. so that something needed to go and right. i and and people talk about retiring. It's like, you know, I'll never retire from making art. It's not gonna be like, oops, sixty-five, done now. <laughs> you know. Um, so something had to give and I retired. But
0: so when you were there, they had a dark room the whole time. Yeah. And, and so and so they've always been able to fund the dark room and had enough interest that yes. are, so I think that's really nice. That it's a high school.
1: It's great. It's <clears> a it's a it's a great school. It's a it's a great program. The students really liked me and they have a new teacher now and she's actually on maternity leave and I'm I'm subbing for a for a short time here at the mm-hmm. end of the year which is good and but I'm also glad it's temporary right. because I can already tell that it's it takes away from the I haven't been in my dark room yet.
0: Right. <laughs> I've been in their dark room. Set it up. But, I've been in their dark actually, room, yeah.
1: cleaning up their dark room. <laughs> um but it's you know it's important work but some there you get to the point where you have to pass the torch. Mhm.
0: Well, and over the years, you've you've had the benefit of seeing these students, you know, get older, and some of them do photography later. So you have this like kind of it's a gift that keeps on giving. It right? is.
1: I like to think that I got as much from them as they got from me. Mm-hmm. They, I still am in contact with graduates, and now I taught so long, and, and that I've have students who have had babies. I've mm-hmm. had students who've passed away. Mm. Um, you know, it can be. Have any of them gone in
0: to be a photographer? Several or, of them are yeah, photographers. Like fine art? Or they,
1: they are. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of full gamut. Some people, and and as I taught, I said, you know, you don't have to be, turn into a fine art photographer, but you can, you don't have to be a wedding photographer, but you mm-hmm. can, you can right. be a hobbyist. It's like, you know, right. if I can, ins- you know, if I can change the way you see the world, then I feel like I've. I've done my job so I have kids that go to art school and I have kids that are like I'm not going to art school I'm but I'm gonna keep doing photography mm. so I still have I have friends that I taught there That's great. yeah love it it's
0: mm-hmm. pretty nice
1: <laughs> it is it is nice
0: so what's um what's next on on the horizon for you I know you you have some stuff coming up in the new year
1: I do so tribe is moving to Carmel uh, Center for Photographic Arts, which so was...
0: Tribe was the show at...
1: Fox Talbot. At Fox Talbot Tribe yeah. is the Fox Talbot show, and that's opening January 5th. So uh, they've asked Lori to curate for their space, so I don't mm. know exactly what it is that's going to go there yet. Gotcha. But that's right around the corner, really. And like I said, I'm teaching right now through the end of the year. I'm doing the talk at the museum in April for, photo, for Portland Photo, photo Month. So that's all I know right now. And just uh, the most important thing is to make some new work. Like I said, I just switched my darkroom back over, so I'm ready to make some object work. I have some new film.
0: I was going to say, do you have a new um, theme, or are you just making new work, period?
1: Probably going to make something about the dress. (laughs) Doug said not long ago, and I think I've, I've said this before, but he's like, why don't you make something with pants? And I'm like, why don't you make something with pants? I'm, like, <laughs> I'm making it with a dress. You know, I'm sticking with a dress. I kind of like that. Right. So, um, you know, not really a new th- new theme. We'll see. You right. know, see what percolates when I get down there.
0: Yeah, I remember when I first started photography, I was working with um, nudes a lot, and then I was confronted by, a, mm. I think a professor, and said aren't you doing male nudes? Mm -hmm. I thought, why aren't I
1: doing male nudes? Yeah. Did you?
0: Yeah, I switched. Good. I started mixing it up, and then I had another professor later. I was like, you don't need to do nudes. (laughs) At all? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think she was pushing me to, like, you're good at that.
1: Try something else? Yeah,
0: you're using it as a crutch, essentially. Mm. Like, you just need to move on and, and try something else and something more creative. And not that that wasn't creative, but for me... I I don't think it was fulfilling and I think she saw that like it just you're just going to do you're doing what you're comfortable with instead of breaking out and trying something different. And I think that's good for me. I needed that motivation. I still do because I tend to like I need new things, you know, constantly to like to work on right. for projects. I mean,
1: it's important to keep it mixed up. Case in point, I'm making a podcast fresh. right now. Yes. <laughs> Yay. And well, thanks for having me. Right. Oh gosh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Heidi was slated to be my first interview, and it didn't work out, so now she's on episode three. So, Excellent. But I appreciate you sitting down with me and doing this.
1: My pleasure. It's been great. Thank you. It's nice
0: to talk to your friends.
1: Yeah, <laughs> in, my, in our own home In your own house. In, <laughs> in, your in own my house, house right.
0: Yeah. So it's nice about having a portable studio.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Blue. Thank you.
0: All right. There you have it. Tape number three. So Heidi was a little under the weather when we recorded this, so I can't thank her enough for putting on her game face, or rather game voice, and sharing her story with me. So let's get to the fact check business. I mentioned creating tintypes in my basement studio years ago. I should point out that I was using Rockland Colloid AG Plus Emulsion to make Dry Plate. It had a three-part reversal developer. I made my exposures with an enlarger from a positive. Essentially, it's a liquid photo emulsion similar to liquid light. So if you're interested in diving deeper into that or anything else we've talked about, please check the show notes for links. So I should mention that the tribe exhibit that Heidi is in is up until February 24th at the Center for Photographic Art in Carmel, California. The exhibit features work from a collective of eight women who are inspired by notions of storytelling, memory, nostalgia, family, and the natural world. Pretty much right up Heidi's alley. If you're in the area, it's not to be missed. Well, that's it for now. In my next tape, We learn if size matters to photographer Catherine Jacobs.
1: That's the funny thing about large format is people are like, well, you start at 4x5, you can go at 8x10. Like some people are really all about the size. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, "Mm, not really a size queen in that way.